0: And you'll see in the Bibles you were given on your way in, you should have a little handout. Looking at one verse of Scripture tonight, and so there's quite a few cross-references. We won't go into all of them in our time together, but do take that away and pursue further if you'd like. But I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, if you can find that on page 61. And then I'm also going to read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 6, and that's on page 979 of the Church Bibles. So if you'd like to stick a thumb in that as well, we'll read from Exodus twenty twelve and Ephesians six, one to four. So as you're flicking to those, let me lead us in prayer. God our Father, as we've prayed uh, several times this evening already, it is a privilege to call you Father, uh, to know you as we've just been singing, uh, that you have towards us the affections of a Father who will never let us go. And so we pray as we come to consider your commandments this evening, that you would give us wisdom, you would assure us of your fatherly compassion towards us, and we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you in the land, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've heard this before. It's been observed that the first four of the Ten Commandments that we've looked at so far all relate to how we uh, know God and relate to him. And then the next six are all about how we relate to one another. Now, obviously, that is a distinction which has its limitations. It's not one that the Bible highlights for us explicitly. And also, of course, how we relate rightly to God... Will have an impact on how we relate to one another. I hope we've seen something of that in the first four sermons in the series. And how we relate well to one another will be heavily influenced by how we relate to God, and we'll help each other to relate to God. So it's not a sharp line of distinction, but it is helpful in some ways. And so as we come in the next few weeks to think about human relationships and what God has commanded concerning how we know and relate to one another as his people— Obviously, that is going to bring some fresh challenges and complications. Uh, We met the Pharisees in the reading that Hillary brought to us earlier. And we don't hold the Pharisees up as examples to follow. But if you want to be a Pharisee, it's really not that hard. There's just two things you need to do. You take God's law and you either subtract from it, reducing the demands that it's making of you or you add to it, tacking on lots of your traditions and thoughts and following them instead of what God has commanded. And I wonder if we, as we move to these next six commandments and think about relating well to one another, if that becomes a particular temptation in the sphere of human relationships. Maybe, maybe even most of all this evening, as we begin at home, with how we ought to relate to our parents. We will know, of course, that our relationship with our parents can be the most significant relationship that we'll ever have for good and for ill. And we obviously won't be able to cover absolutely every situation in this room, let alone in the world at large, in one sermon. I'm hoping that Q&A afterwards might be a helpful time of clarifying any questions that you have specifically. But what we do want to do this evening is to consider the why, what, and how of the fifth commandment And I hope that as we do that, we're going to see a couple of things. First of all, I want us to see that there's lots for us all to learn as children, but also lots of lessons to take on board as parents and potential parents in the future, as well as maybe most fundamentally of all, as we want to do in every single one of these commandments sermons, reflect on what this all reveals to us about God, the God who helps us in our obedience to this commandment. So first, let's consider then the why. Why honor our parents? And part of the reason for starting here is that this is a question which the Lord answers himself within the commandments. So we saw that bit of Ephesians that I also read. Paul refers to this as the first commandment with a promise. For Israel, then, the results of obedience to honoring your father and mother are that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. Now, that's a promise, as Paul calls it, with lots of implications. But at the very least, what God is saying here is that one of the keys to prosperity when Israel enters the promised land is honoring the hierarchies that he has set in place for the common good the broadest application, therefore, of this fifth commandment. It doesn't end at home. If we read through the confessions and catechisms of the church that we hold dear, they rightly tell us that giving any superior, whether it's a parent or a prime minister, their due in every sphere of life is important because God has set all authorities in place. This commandment doesn't end at home. But for us this evening, as we consider it, it begins at home with the micro-unit that God has set up for human flourishing, the unit of the family. And really, that's all a way of saying that the fifth commandment really deals with creation order. That's why it's a completely unqualified statement as Moses delivers it to the people. Honor of parents isn't something that we do in response to their good character. Honoring parents isn't a reward that we give them if we think they've done a good enough job. Maybe most challengingly for many of us, it's not even just something which applies to Christian parents who share our faith. No, this is a commandment given in relation to how God has structured the world in the best way for human flourishing. Uh, I've mentioned before I'm a big fan of the series Band of Brothers, following a group of soldiers through the Second World War. There's a scene in that towards the end of the series where the main character, he's been promoted through the ranks as the series goes on. He meets his old mentor They didn't get on. His mentor has a, a stall in his career as the main character has become a major. And there's an awkward exchange where his old mentor, just a lieutenant, walks past him and tries to avoid his gaze, doesn't want to salute him, And the main character, Major Winter, says, Lieutenant Sobel, we salute the rank, not the man. We salute the rank, not the man. And it's the same as we think of honoring our parents. To a greater or lesser extent, we salute them, we honor them because of who they are, their office and status given by God, not first and foremost because of what they have done. This is a commandment which applies to all of us, for all of our lives, even long after our parents have, have passed away. Now, I realize in saying that, that is not necessarily an easy thing to hear. And there will be lots of, but what about this type questions in relation to what I've just said. And so it's helpful now to move straight on to our second heading, what, what does honoring our parents mean? And I'm aware that maybe the biggest and most obvious but what about question is how on earth am I meant to honor parents who themselves are far from honorable? I've told some of you before that an old minister friend of mine used to say that God gives you marriage to teach you how selfish you are, and he gives you children to teach you how angry you are. And that man had five children. They've since adopted, I think, two more, so I guess that's a point that God has really been driving home for him. But his words always remind me that even the very best of earthly parents will constantly find themselves battling against their anger, battling against their selfishness, battling against their sin of many kinds in order to do what's best for their children. And therefore, inevitably, they will get it wrong from time to time. And it is hard in those situations to honor them. But actually, we know that in worse cases, earthly parents can withhold their attention, their affections, even the most basic level of care for their children through negligence or through absence. So here's a really important thing to clarify right away. Honoring parents does not mean an unquestioning acceptance of anything they command and anything they do at every stage of life. To put it as clearly as I can, the fifth commandment is not an excuse for negligent or abusive parenting. It is not the Bible's version of children should be seen and not heard, and it is not saying that if we do have experiences of parents who have let us down very, very badly indeed, that we have to accept that and suffer in silence. And so if that is you, I want to say that we as a church would love to help you work through or process anything, whether that's something in the past or something which feels a lot more present to, to come speak to me or one of the elders or someone on the staff team afterwards. We'd love to do anything we can to help you work through that. And just to tee up what we'll see a bit later on, we will reflect later on the real comfort of knowing the God who, as we've just been singing, gives us the affections of a father who will never let us go. So for any of us who are struggling already with the mere mention of honoring parents, that is the ultimate aim tonight, is to draw our attention towards our Heavenly Father, the one who will never let us down, and we'll think a little bit more about that later. But before we get there, let's remember, we honor our parents because of who they are and not because of what they've done. And that means that for the vast majority of us, We need to go as far as we possibly can to respect their God-given position. That will mean that in difficult cases, we may need to be very sacrificial. We may find ourselves making, find that it's ourselves. We have to make most of the effort to keep in touch and to practice gratitude. We may even be the ones who need to make the first steps towards reconciliation and forgiveness if that is appropriate. And I know that that is very hard to do. Uh, We thought a lot about forgiveness in the student ministry last semester. Probably one of the hardest things to do is to instigate that kind of conversation with our parents. Because unlike any other relationship that we have, that is the one relationship in which we feel that the other person ought to be making all of the strides towards us. And so that means that sometimes we may need to pray earnestly for God's patience and help. But we need to keep going. I'm very thankful for the example of elder saints among us and in other churches I've been part of who've shown me a really good example of what it means to relate well to parents who can be quite difficult and the great sacrifice that it takes them, but how they will say that ultimately it is worth it because it's, it's what the Lord has for them. We need to keep going in this. Another big clarification to make, though, the fifth commandment does assume a family relationship where God himself is being honored as the supreme authority by parents and children alike. Uh, The first couple of commandments, we saw them a few weeks ago, were all about how God is to be the only God, the true God, the living God, the, uh, the place of highest honor in family life as well as in everyone's life. And that does mean that for the children among us, any of us who have parents, we need to make sure that God is given the place of highest honor that he rightly commands in family life. So at the very least, honoring parents will not mean for us that we listen to them if they tell us to do something which God has commanded against, or even if they tell us to do something which we know goes right against biblical wisdom a lot of the time. That is obviously something which is much harder for those among us who have parents who are unbelievers. That tension of what does it look like to honor God as my supreme authority, my heavenly father, and to honor the parents he has given me and blessed me with, when what the two command don't always go hand in hand. Jesus himself actually helpfully models this to us. He says in Luke's gospel, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Of course, the Lord Jesus is not taking this commandment and tearing it up and saying we need to hate our parents. We're not instructed to do that. Hate in Bible terms means not love as much as the other option. Jesus is saying that the highest allegiance we must have in our lives is to the Lord As Christians, that means our highest allegiance must be to following the Lord Jesus. And so if we find there's conflict between what he commands us and what our parents instruct us to do, we follow him. Which does not mean that we do that without respect. It means that we approach it with tact and diligence and as much honor as we can give to our parents, as much humility as we can follow the Lord Jesus with. But we do need to make sure that he rightly has the place of highest honor and allegiance in our lives. That's on the children's side of things. The fifth commandment, though, also means that parents among us need to make sure that God really is given the place of honor he rightly commands in the first two commandments. And that will be true both in how we speak of and treat him in family life, as we instruct our children about him, as we make sure we talk about the Lord and pray and and have spiritual conversations regularly. But it will also present itself in how we treat our own children compassionately, patiently, seeking their spiritual welfare and in the times when we as sinful people inevitably do get it wrong, being quick to model repentance and show them that we are just as needy of grace as they are. Well we're starting now to get a bit further on in thinking about what exactly obedience to this command looks like practically. So it's right at this point to push into that. In a bit more detail as we consider how, How do we honor our parents? Now I mentioned before that this is a command which applies to all of us for all of life and it is but that will look very very different at different stages of our lives. Now, we may know that Shakespeare in the famous all the world's a stage monologue wrote of seven ages of man. You'll be relieved that I only want us to consider three this evening and the first of those is childhood when we are young children maybe the most obvious and straightforward application of this commandment is that young children honor their parents through simple and straightforward obedience. You know, time and again, studies have shown that the best and most secure environment for children to get the optimum start in life is in a stable two-parent family home. Now, of course, it should go without saying that single parents have one of the toughest jobs in the world and they do an amazing job so much of the time. There are many exceptions to this rule. Of course there are. Praise God that that is the case. But this is part of what the promise in Exodus 20.12 is getting at, that it will go well with you in the land, that God has structured society in such a way that the best way for kids to flourish is with two parents in a stable home. And that applies in a very broad way. So parents, any parents who tell their kids to hold their hand while they cross the road or to not spend too much time on their screens or to brush their teeth or to eat their vegetables or or whatever else it is, all these are very natural, everyday, common grace means by which God uses the unit of the family to ensure human flourishing. Uh, There aren't many, but there are a few young children among us this uh, this evening. This may not make me popular, but for you guys, it's really important that we do listen to our mums and dads. Uh, They really do know best. I know that they might not seem like it all of the time, but by and large, they do. And it's important that you honor them by listening to them. But there are many more parents or potential parents of young children among us this evening, and we need to remember that on the flip side of this commandment, we need to bring up our children in the fear and instruction of the Lord, because we know that that is the real key to their flourishing. It's mentioned in that Ephesians passage again, that's one of the most important rules that we will have as children, as, as parents, is to bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so two things quickly that means for us. Yes, let's make the absolute maximum use that we can of Sunday schools and youth groups and summer camps and veggie teals and all the other resources out there for us. But let's not completely outsource our children's spiritual well-being. There is a, a challenge for us here to make sure that we ourselves are taking the lead in modeling faith to young hearts and minds. And the second thing to draw out, we model a life of obedience to our Heavenly Father in how we speak and in how we live. In the context of Ephesians, before the bit that we read, Paul has been given giving dual instructions to lots of different groups of people. So wives and husbands, slaves and masters, parents and children. So it's children obey your parents and fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord once again, the onus really is on us to not abuse our position and so exasperate, that's the word in the NIV for that verse, for not do not provoke to anger, not to exasperate our children through impatient or inconsistent parenting, through being too heavy-handed or too unpredictable in how we discipline them, through treating them like a bit of an afterthought or an inconvenience rather than rather than treating them with humility and patience and compassion. That is hard. Being a parent is one of the hardest jobs in the world. And so we need to pray ourselves for God's help. But we make it a lot easier for our children to obey us and ultimately for them to honor God when we make prayerful effort to treat them kindly and fairly and to not provoke them to exasperation or sin. What's more, though, that instruction and obedience pattern, that, that stage of life we know doesn't last forever. And taking care in how we raise young children helps them, too, to respect us when they become adult children. That's our second subheading. And respect is probably the most helpful way to summarize what this commandment to honor our parents means for the vast majority of us in this room this evening. As adults, we are not bound to obey everything our parents tell us to do in the same way as when we were children, in part because Well, hopefully by the time we, let's say, move off to university, we kind of know how to dress ourselves and feed ourselves and to look both ways before crossing the road, although maybe for some of us, some of those are ongoing lessons. But even though we are not bound to obey our parents in the same way, honor for parents means that we should respect them enough to at least include them in our lives, That will definitely mean picking up the phone probably a lot more regularly than a lot of us do. I've been very challenged in this regard myself in preparing this sermon. Just to maintain that relationship that we do have with them, even from a distance though. Even our imperfect parents, we owe them that much, that basic level of relational closeness when we think of what they have sacrificed for us. I was thinking through the week about one of my favorite Homer Simpson quotes He says at one point, I have three kids and no money. Life would be so much easier if I had no kids and three money. Kind of sums up just one of the ways in which parents give so much of themselves sacrificially to raising their children. Our parents have given up a lot to care for and to provide for our needs. And so simply by virtue of who they are then, they deserve our respect and our ongoing commitment another old minister friend of mine. I do have friends who aren't old ministers, by the way, but this one happens to be another old minister and an old friend who is a minister. But he said he sometimes struggles to keep in touch with his parents because he finds it inconvenient. And then he remembers that it wasn't convenient for them to come to him as he cried through the night or to change and dress him each day or to ferry him around to sports matches and after-school clubs and all those things. That wasn't convenient But all those things mean at the very least it is on us to make time for our parents. That can feel hard when we like to think of ourselves as busy and important people. It can even be particularly hard when we think of ourselves as busy and important, holy and godly people who are serving the Lord. That same old minister tells a story about how he got a text from his dad once saying, can you please give me a call as soon as you can? And so he did what anyone would do in that situation. He put a note on his phone, on his to-do list, call dad as soon as you can. He then got a phone call from his dad the next day saying, sorry, did you not get my text? And he said, oh, I did. I did, don't worry, you're on my list. And his dad said, I'm on your list. How do you think that makes me feel? At least one lesson that we learned from the Pharisees in Mark chapter 6 is that over-pious devotion to the Lord is no excuse for neglecting our duties as children. Whether we've just had a really busy week trying to book a marquee for the CU, or whether we find ourselves routinely busy with church and leading life groups and writing essays for theological study, these things are good and pleasing to the Lord, but they are not to be used as excuses for failing to honor our parents and make time for them. Respect will also mean though not just maintaining contact with mum and dad but including them when we are faced with those big life decisions like what to do after uni or which job to go for of the many we're applying for or, or who and when to get married. Once again as adults we are not bound by our parents' instruction here but it is only right that if As an early port of call, we seek their counsel and input and we explain our decision-making processes to them. And, you know, we may even find occasionally that they show themselves to be quite wise and maybe even know a little bit more than we do. Uh, Two of my friends were getting married a few years ago. Uh, She is from Northern Ireland. He is from England. They were very nervous about their their parents meeting for the first time in the lead up to the wedding. They were so nervous that they were getting us to pray for this meeting in the weeks leading up to it in our home group. And then the week after it happened, we said, how did it go, your parents meeting each other? And they just laughed and said, you know what? What we learned was our parents actually know more about how to talk to people and have normal conversation than we do. It was absolutely fine. And we can replicate that sentiment across any number of life situations. I'm constantly blown away by how much wisdom my parents have to offer about situations that they really don't know very much about just by virtue of having been around the planet a few more times than I have. And we, and there's another state though under the the general heading of adult children of course, and that's marriage. I noted down the Genesis 2 verse in your handouts which says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Within the Bible, then, there is a very clear and decisive break that occurs when grown children get married. A new family unit is formed, and therefore, mum and dad rightly cease to become the first port of call. Your new husband or wife become the new immediate go-to in the big life questions. Now, obviously, within marriage, our parents still deserve our respect and our inclusion. If we're married, this cuts two ways. As children, we need to make sure that we are still committed to keeping both sets of parents involved in our lives. And if the Lord blesses us with children of our own in their lives too, which will inevitably mean having to navigate disagreements with them from time to time about how to run a home or the best way to raise children. And we try to do that where we can with humility and patience and grace, even if we disagree. Then as parents of married children, I'm told it can be quite hard to really let go and, as they call it, cut the apron strings when our our kids get married. But the onus, therefore, is on us uh, to make sure that we're not too overbearing or interfering. It can cause serious family difficulty if parents expect or even demand exactly the same level of involvement in their kids' lives when they're married, Or even in really sad or extreme cases, try to draw a wedge between husband and wife when the new spouse does something a bit differently to what they're used to. I realize there is loads more that could be said on all of that, but we need to move on to the final stage. And I am sorry that I really couldn't think of a more pastorally sensitive way to phrase this than on the day that we realize that we are now old children who have a duty of care towards our aging parents. I take it that all of us to a greater or lesser extent have had some realization that our parents aren't quite as young as they used to be. It was around the time that I moved to St. Andrews a few years ago that I was home for a bit helping my dad clear out his shed and he, he bent over to pick up a bag of cement and but you'll have to get that one. That was a huge moment for me the idea that I would be able to lift something that my dad couldn't that was a big big deal. But as we get older and as our parents get older, the level of help and care that they need from us only increases. And so Paul, writing to Timothy, that reference on the sheet there from 1 Timothy, writes, "...if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God." Then a little while later he writes, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. These are challenging words, and that language of making some return is really helpful. We repay the love that our parents have shown us, as we've just been talking about. We do that now through phone calls and visits and as many WhatsApp pictures and videos of the grandchildren that their data alliance can carry. That's how we return their love to us in this stage of life. But the ultimate way in which we give return, in one sense, the truest honor we can pay our parents is by if and when the time comes caring for them in their old age with the same level of sacrifice Patience and tenderness that they cared for us in our infancy. And can I just say that that means that one consideration which needs to be given if you're weighing up marriage as a, a new family unit is what that will look like to care for two sets of parents. I have no driving ambition to live on the Isle of Lewis in my life, and Judy has no great desire to live in Northern Ireland. I can't think why, but she doesn't. But before we get married, I am so glad that we had a conversation about whether we would be willing to move to one of those places, at least for a season in life, if her father or my parents ever need our help. To which, wonderfully, the answer was yes. I personally think it would be slightly scandalous if we left care for our aging parents to unbelieving siblings and aunties and uncles, rather than being willing to do as much as we can ourselves, because I think what would that say about the gospel? What would that say about God, the father we love, if we can't show that same love to our own parents? That's just one personal challenge I've been reflecting on, and again there's much more to be said on it. Do ask any clarifying questions on that in the Q&A, which we'll move to soon, but for now we must draw to a close. And as we do, I realize that I've thrown out a lot of information tonight. I've thrown out a lot of challenges, things which we may find very difficult, maybe even things which have brought up some very difficult feelings or complicated emotions for us. That's almost inevitable when tackling the question of parent relationships. And so as we close, I want us to see again that God has revealed himself as father. God in Christ has given us the right to be called his children. That's how we opened our time together this evening. And Jesus, as God's beloved son, has modeled perfect obedience to God the Father. We said a few times throughout the series rightly that these are not instructions given that we might make ourselves right before God they're given after he has already won us redeemed us in his love and so we need to remember tonight once again that our ultimate hope rests on a son God's son the Lord Jesus who showed perfect honor to his father If we find ourselves challenged, like I find myself challenged, on how we as children or how we as parents get this wrong, then yes, it is right that we repent. It is right that we try to be more godly in our approach. But ultimately, it's right that we turn to Jesus and see that our hope rests on him, the perfectly obedient son. And it's also right, as we close, that we remember that our ultimate honor goes to a perfect Father, a Father who, unlike our earthly parents, never lets us down, never can let us down, has promised that he never, ever will let us down. It's when we feel the embrace of our heavenly Father, trust in his promises, know the compassion and tenderness and delight he takes in his children, that we find honoring our earthly parents is That little bit easier, even when that's in a difficult situation, and that our our care for our own children, we want more and more to imitate his care for us. There are other words that Jesus says that I didn't put down on the sheet. Later in Luke, he says, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. When the relationship between parent and child is difficult, it is one of the most difficult things in the world. I'm aware of that. And so as we close, I want us to hear this wonderfully reassuring promise from Jesus, that even when that human relationship feels very strained, feels very painful, we have the wonderful promise, the wonderful assurance of what life in Christ, what life in God's family brings us. Real intimacy and closeness with many fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles in Christ, and ultimately eternal life in the presence of God our Father who loves us and who will not let us down, who will not let us go. Why don't we pray to God our Father now as we close. Our Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that as a father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on those who fear you, who know you, and who love you. And so we pray that you would help us to rejoice in you this evening. We pray you would build us all up and draw us closer to you, uh, to be trusting in, in your promises and to know your compassion towards us. We pray that as we do, you would be growing us in our compassion towards our children. May our care for them, even in an appeal way, imitate your care and compassion for us. And as children as well, Father, we pray that the honor that we rightly reserve for you would be shown to our earthly parents as well. We give you thanks for all that you've done for us in them. And we pray you would help us to grow in how we honor, respect, and love them as we honor, respect, and love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.